0: Urian Timber's ACL injury confirmed. The Dutchman will undergo surgery, which is terrible, terrible news. We'll also be talking about the David Raya deal in a little bit more detail. We've got a bit of information and uh, we'll be discussing a number of other players linked with a move away from Arsenal. All of that on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of, of course, the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and we have once again got lots and lots and lots to get through. On today's show, we're going to be talking David Raya, the truth about the deal bringing him to Arsenal. There's more to why Brentford were willing to sanction a loan deal for the Spaniard, and we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. We're also going to discuss the interest from Saudi Arabia in Gabriel, the Premier League club interested in Nuno Tavares. Are Monaco set to launch another bid for following in Balik, and we'll give you more on Uri Timber's injury and we'll take your thoughts and questions from the live chat as well. We'll also talk about the rumoured uh, conversations going on between Arsenal and their club captain currently Martin Odegaard over a new and improved deal. There is so so much to get through on this episode we didn't do one yesterday remember Uh, so we've got some catching up to do stay with us it's the chronicles of aguna and we are live hey everybody how are we doing hope you're all good hope you're all well it is wednesday the 16th of august and on this very day 33 years ago i was born it's my birthday yes um That's not why I didn't do a podcast yesterday. Um, I had a meeting that I had to attend yesterday, which came up really, really last minute uh, at the time that I was planning to record and stream. Um, It was a worthwhile meeting and uh, something really great has come off the back of it, but I'll fill you in on that when the time is right. But yeah, today's my birthday, but because we didn't give you a podcast yesterday, I figured it was only right that we provided you with one today. So we've got a couple of days worth of news to work our way through uh, big thank you to everybody who sent me birthday wishes on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the rest of it. Uh, WhatsApp, my phone's been pinging off all day. I feel like I spend most days looking at my phone, to be honest, but today more than normal uh, because of all the messages coming through. And honestly, um, I'm so, so grateful, really, really uh, feeling the love. So thank you uh, to every single one of you got lots of messages now that I've let the cat out the bag coming through in the live chat here as well. Uh, thank you all so much. Honestly, um, I really, really uh, do appreciate it. Uh, it's great to feel the love once a year, the rest of the time. Send the hate my way. I'm just kidding. Um, but thank you. Jokes aside. But as I say, we've got lots and lots and lots to get through. Uh, so let's make a start then. Let's um, let's discuss uh, the David Raya deal. Now, of course, Arsenal revealed yesterday that David Raya is now an Arsenal player, at least for the upcoming season. Um, everybody's been talking about this, you know, how on earth have Brentford sanctioned this? Why have they accepted David Ryan moving to Arsenal on a loan deal? How does that really help their situation? How does that help their position? Now, I think some people are quite comfortable with this and, and, and feel like even with the information we have out there, it makes sense for Brentford to allow this deal to go through because of the fact that David Raya only wanted to join Arsenal, only wanted to end up at Emirates Stadium, and therefore everybody's satisfied this way, right? Brentford get their fee, hopefully later down the line. Um, they've asked David Raya to sign a contract extension to to cover them in the event that Arsenal don't make the deal permanent, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And, and we've heard a little bit about um, Brentford's perspective on this and and Brentford's point of view over the last sort of 24 hours or so let me bring you up to speed then with what uh, one of uh, Brentford's hierarchy has had to say and then we'll get on to um, how it works for Arsenal and some information uh, that we've been given over the last sort of uh, 24 hours or so but basically there was a uh, a comment put out by uh, one of the Brentford hierarchy his name uh, escapes me one second here it's Phil Giles that's it Brentford's Director of football. He said, I'm sure the first question that all Brentford fans will ask is why this transfer has been structured as an initial loan, with Arsenal having the option to make it permanent in the future. The answer to that is simply that it enables this deal to be done more rapidly between both clubs, with all parties wanting to make this a permanent transfer as soon as practically possible, whenever that might be. So initially, we heard that Brentford were doing this. To help Arsenal out with their FFP situation. Arsenal, obviously, we've talked about it loads and loads, spent lots of money over the past two, three summers, you could say, um, not really brought in that much in terms of money recoup from sales. Uh, and so it, it's fair to think, and, and I don't know this for a fact, that Arsenal could be hovering quite close to the line when it comes uh, to financial fair play. Now, We were told that this deal was a loan deal whereby David Raya would then sign that contract extension with Brentford, as I say, offering them that little bit of protection and Arsenal would have the option, not the obligation, an option to purchase the player at the end of the year for about £27 million. So if you factor in the £27 million that Arsenal will be due to pay Brentford should they decide to take this guy on a permanent deal plus the $3 million that they're paying to get him on loan for the season. It's around about a deal worth in total £30 million. But we've had some information on why Brentford have agreed to this. Because look, yeah, okay, Brentford are in a position where they will lose David Raya for free at the end of the season if nothing happened this summer. David Raya could sign a pre-contract agreement or could have signed a pre-contract agreement with a club on the continent in January and Brentford would have stood to get nothing for the player. Now, you might be thinking, well, what's the difference here? Arsenal could pull the plug at the end of the season, decide he's not good enough, decide he's not what they want, decide not to take up their option to purchase David Raya, and Brentford could be in that spot only 12 months down the line when the player's probably got weeks remaining on his contract. The reason this has been accepted, and and the reason that both sides wanted to do this deal this way And I don't expect Phil Giles to come out and say this publicly, but we've had information uh, is that basically David Raya, yes, wanted a move to Arsenal, but there was no other interest in terms of actual concrete offers for the Spaniard this summer. And that is why Brentford have agreed, A, to terms that appear more favourable to Arsenal, but B, there is, to my understanding, a clause, a number of clauses in this contract, a number of triggers that would turn Arsenal's option to buy David Raya into an obligation, although that is not being put out in the public domain. And it doesn't need to be put out in the public domain um, by the clubs. I'm doing it now because I think that it's it's really, really interesting and it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I couldn't figure out, as I kept saying, why Brentford would accept this deal, why this would happen. But from what I understand, David Raya only needs to make a handful of appearances for Arsenal over the duration of this season before that option to buy will convert into an obligation to buy. That's why Brentford were happy to do what they've done. Arsenal uh, of course uh, do you know ex uh, you know do plan to use David Raya, do plan to have him as part of the squad, do plan I'm sure uh, to use him in cup competitions and do plan to have him fighting for at the number one spot with Aaron Ramsdale. But in the event that they don't, that's why Brentford have asked David Raya to sign not a one, but a two-year contract extension with the option of a further year. It's to protect his value. But both sides go into this expecting this to be a permanent deal come the end of this current season. And as I say, over the course of the season, it's likely that even after a handful of appearances, um, well, it's not likely. It's going to be that after a handful of appearances, that option to buy will turn into an obligation. So that kind of explains, doesn't it, why um, Brentford were open to a deal that, on the surface, doesn't look very favourable for them. Um, as I say, no other clubs were seriously in for David Rye, which surprised me. That's the information I've had. Um, you know, we we were told that. Chelsea were looking at him. We were told that Tottenham had made an approach, although that never turned into a formal bid or a formal offer. Um, So, yeah, at the end, the only club sort of standing there waiting and and seriously wanting to take him off of Brentford's hands was Arsenal Football Club. And that's why we are where we are. Um, It was great to see sort of the announcement stuff. I watched David Raya's welcome interview. I thought it was really good. Obviously, he named Mikel Arteta as being kind of one of the main attractions to come into Arsenal, which seems to be a common theme with everybody that we're signing. Now, I guess, you know, you're kind of, you know, you'd expect people to, to talk highly of the manager that's just signed them. You want to get in the good books, you want to play all of the rest of it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's. It's not surprising to hear David Raya say that, but obviously Inaki Kanya, um, a a coach that he's worked very closely with at Brentford, again, who he speaks incredibly high of, um, highly of, I should say, uh, is at Arsenal Football Club. And that gives uh, David Raya, I think, some comfort coming in that, you know, okay, he's going to have to fight for the number one shirt. And I'm sure his intention is to take that off of Aaron Ramsdale. I don't for a minute think that David Raya is coming here to play second fiddle. He will be coming here to fight. He knows it's going to be a difficult fight. But I think given the conversations that he's had with Mikel Arteta and his relationship with Inaki Kanya, whose feedback I think will be key in Arteta's decision around who is the number one moving forward, he probably feels having one of his own here, somebody that he knows, somebody that he trusts, somebody that he loves and who he's learned a lot from, he probably feels that that puts him in a position where he's going to get a fair go at it. and a a, a fair opportunity. There isn't going to be that bias um, that, you know, maybe some managers have with certain players. He will feel with Inaki Kanya in the wings, helping him out and feeding back to Mikel Arteta all the time, that he'll get a fair crack at becoming Arsenal's number one. So, yeah, I think that's played a big, big part. Yeah, um, as I say, watched all the announcement content. Uh, Really liked the whole first day thing. Um, I've really enjoyed that with every player uh, that Arsenal have signed this summer. I think is a really, really great piece of content. It's really wholesome stuff, uh, which I love to see. Uh, and it was great to see uh, the stuff with his grandfather as well, uh, being embraced by Mikel Arteta, the club obviously gifting him uh, a personalised Arsenal shirt. And you could see just by how many people were in the room that Mikel Arteta wants to, and Arsenal want to create this feeling for anybody coming in and for their family, that this is a really fucking big deal. Like joining Arsenal is a really, really big deal, and and I think they're putting that across really, really well, and and it's great to see. Honestly, um, we knew that David Raya was at the Community Shield. We knew that a deal was close to being done at that point. We knew that he was at Emirates Stadium for the opening game of the season against Nottingham Forest. Uh, but we're now, uh, or we now know that that is official. If you listen to his um, his welcome interview, there was a bit that gave it away that it kind of took place a few days prior. Um, there was a bit where he kind of mentioned the upcoming season. I can't remember if it was him or if it was the the guy doing the interview, um, but you just got the impression from listening to that, that this was done a few days ago and that there was a bit of uh, dotting of the I's and crossings, crossing of the T's to take place before this could be officially announced. And here we are. Um, so, yeah, David Raya is a gooner. And as I say, uh, there is what I believe to be a couple of trigger points in that contract that when met, very realistic ones, by the way, Arsenal's option to buy David Raya will become an obligation. That's why Brentford are so confident in getting their money. That's why Brentford have agreed to this, because otherwise they'd have been in a position months down the line where they were going to get absolutely zilch. And as I said to you guys throughout the summer, and in particular, when we were discussing the David Ryer, uh deal in particular, I kept saying to you guys that Brentford wonderfully run football club, got lots of admiration for them, but they're not a football club that can afford to turn up, turn down the opportunity to bring in 30 million pounds for a player. And David Raya is one of their most or was one of their most valuable assets still is technically because he's still technically a Brentford player, but you get where I'm going with that. Okay, uh, we're going to be back in just a second and we're going to turn our attention to Jurian Timber, whose uh, injury has been confirmed as an ACL problem. Not looking good for the Dutchman. We'll get into that in just a sec. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family, as always. I'm your host, Harry Simu. Let's talk Jurian Timber. The club, earlier on this afternoon, put out a further medical update uh, on the Dutchman. Uh, This is what they had to say. Further to detailed assessments with consultants and specialists since Saturday, we can confirm that Zurian Timber has sustained an injury to his anterior cruciate ligament, the ACL, in his right knee. He'll undergo surgery in the coming days and will be out of action for a period of time. The support and expertise from our medical team and everyone at the club will now be focused on Jurian's rehabilitation program to ensure he recovers well and is back playing as soon as possible. Notice Arsenal very vague in the detail as, you know, is obviously by design, you know, he'll undergo surgery. He'll be out of action for a period of time. No further information on what exactly the injury is. Um, you know, is it a tear? Is it, I, I don't know, you know, what grade is it? We don't know. We don't know any of that, which makes it quite difficult for even the so called experts to put a time frame on how long Jurian Timber will be out for. My guess would be that he's not going to play this season. My guess would be that you're looking at getting him back in training towards the back end of this season with a view to giving him a full preseason and then him starting uh, the next campaign, fit, firing, and ready to go really disappointing news, devastating news. It's the news we kind of all knew was coming. Um, of course, when you hear it, you still get that sinking feeling, don't you? You still feel that disappointment. Um, but it, it kind of is what it is. And, you know, yes, we talked about it the other day. We're better equipped now to deal with it than maybe we were 12 months ago. But that still doesn't make it any less devastating. And in particular for the player who's just got his dream move, who's settled in so, so well at the football club. And now, has to go through this. Uh, Jurian Timber put out a post himself. He said, gutted to share my injury is more serious than expected, especially after the warm welcome I've received. I wanted to repay you on the pitch, which will not be possible for the forthcoming period. Thanks for making me feel at home and see you at the carpet. Yeah, really, uh, really disappointing stuff. But that is the update on Jurian Timber. As I say, it's what we all feared. We all kind of thought it was an ACL injury. That was what was going around in terms of the rumours last night. Um, and it appears that that is true. Arsenal confirming that. And Jurian Timbers' rehabilitation uh, programme will, of course, begin right away as soon as he's gone under the knife. And uh, and that problem, that issue has been dealt with. Right. Another very short pause. And then we're going to talk about another Arsenal defender who's been uh, very much in the news over the last few days. and Not for the reasons that I'd want him to be, if I'm being honest. According to various reports, Gabriel Magalash is the subject of interest from Saudi club al Ittihad. What I can tell you is that in my opinion, it's not news, but in my opinion, he is going nowhere. I think the offer would need to be monumental. And even then, I wouldn't entertain it, nor do I expect the club to. I think he's such a key player in what we've built over the last couple of years. And I honestly don't think this story would get half as much attention if he wasn't left out of the starting eleven on Saturday. Which is a shame because when I asked Mikel Arteta myself about this after the game, he said it was a purely tactical decision. But I think people have have taken the opportunity to kind of blow this story out of proportion. Perhaps there is admiration in Gabriel um, or of Gabriel from Saudi Arabia. I mean, who don't they like at the moment? Who aren't they targeting? at the moment we heard this morning that Imeric laporte of manchester city could be on his way there after manchester city accepted uh, an offer uh, from the saudi private investment fund and all the rest it's, it's, listen it's it's all gone a bit crazy if we're being honest and um you know it, it just feels like they're just trying to Hoover up all all decent talent so that they can raise the level of the league straight away obviously that's the strategy that's the plan but i think with that and and with the activity they've already done, the money that they clearly have to spend, comes a lot of stories like this, which probably don't have that much to them. So there may well be, as I say, interest in Gabriel from Saudi. We've heard of interest from Juventus in Gabriel for the past couple of seasons now. But Juventus don't have the money to make it worth Arsenal's while. And that's why that's never really gone on and been a big talking point because everybody felt and everybody knew that ultimately for Arsenal to sell Gabriel they'd want a hell of a lot of money Um, but in order to get uh, that money they're not going to get it from somebody like Juventus hold on a second Thunder Road says is that a drop of sweat near the tip of Harry's nose no it's not Uh, it's a little mark a little bump on my nose that I've had for years and years and years Um, it's not sweat (laughs) Oh my God. But anyway, yeah. Um, so, sadly, interesting Gabriel. Uh, as I say, I, I don't think this story is half as big a story. If he played on Saturday, I think that it's been blown out of a, out of proportion as a result of that, as a consequence of that, which I don't necessarily think is fair. Um, I think he's so, so key. I think him and Saliba are clearly our first choice central defensive pairing. And, um, and I have no concerns about that at this moment in time. I think he's staying put. I think I said the other night or I tweeted the other night something to the effect of Gabriel is not going anywhere. Behave. Because it's it's winding me up if I'm being honest with you. Um, people just wanting to unsettle us. It's, it's always the way, isn't it? With Arsenal Football Club. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk following Balogun in a second because uh, is he getting closer to that move away? The move that he clearly wants. And I think at this point Arsenal probably want to. <laughs> CBS Sports' James Benj has reported that Monaco are expected to submit a new offer for following Balogun amid ongoing dialogue between the two clubs. Now, as far as we're aware, uh, the league earn outfit had an offer knocked back for following Balogun about a couple of weeks ago now, but they are expected to return. He, of course, went out to France last season on loan, performed really, really well, scored lots and lots of goals, and that has put a lot of the French clubs on high alert. There aren't many French clubs that are going to be able, in my opinion, with the exception of PSG and a couple of others, capable of going as far as we probably want them to in terms of the transfer fee. Uh, Monaco, though, are a club that can get a lot closer than most. And so this makes a lot of sense. Look, I mean, when it comes to Balogun, as I've said before, I think he's talented. I think he's got something about him. I think he's got that goal scoring now. And I think he will have a good career somewhere. I just don't think that place is Arsenal. I don't think he's ready to accept um, where he actually is when it comes to Arsenal in comparison to, you know, maybe where he was when he was playing last season. Look, you were playing in League 1 in a side that were, you know, not expected to achieve massive things. The level is completely different. The pressures that you have to deal with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis are completely different. I just think that if I were Balogun, I'd give it one season at Arsenal. I really would. I appreciate that, you know, he went there, he got a taste of playing first team football week in, week out. He did brilliantly. And so he feels like he deserves a chance. But the opportunity to be something at a club like Arsenal over a club like Monaco, with all due respect, playing in the Premier League rather than League 1 and all the rest of it is worth sacrificing six months, in my opinion. You know, get your head down, focus, train. Um, Gabriel Jesus is out at the moment and we don't know how long he's going to be out for. So get your head down, work hard, rival Eddie Nketiah for that place, for that position. Keep pushing, keep fighting. And if January comes along and you're not getting the game time you want, then you throw your toys out of the pram and you force the move. Because although, yeah, Arsenal probably stand to lose out that way because his value would certainly decrease if he's not playing in comparison to where it is today, fresh off the back of as I say, that very, very impressive season in France. If I were following Balogun, that's what I'd want. But he's been adamant all along that he wants out, that he wants to go. And in that case, then let him go, you know, send him on his way, um, get your money. And I understand that Arsenal want to maximise his value as best as possible. But this is a deal at this point. I just want to see done, Um, you know, all the time he's at the club, not a part of Mikel Arteta's plans sulking around if that is what he's doing. It isn't good for anybody, is it? So um, I I hope that Monaco do return sooner rather than later with an improved offer and Arsenal can deal. I've said it all along. I don't think that Arsenal will be uh, stuck to their initial valuation. I think there will be a little bit of wiggle room um, if you are Monaco. Okay, I think we're... I think we're back at uh, dr smith says um just in from work are you using dial-up harry it feels like i bloody am i don't know my i've had some of you will be better versed in this stuff than me um uh, my router the lights on my router which used to be green have now turned red and the internet for the most part still works but it's always red and it's been cutting out a little bit here and there over the last few days which is been really bloody annoying. I've called Virgin Media but of course Virgin Media will do anything not to send an engineer your way because that means um they're actually having to do something about it, which is really bloody annoying. But anyway, um I'll try and get it fixed. I'm trying to get it fixed and we're just going to have to bear with it. I think yeah, the connection's really weak. I'm sorry. So let's speed through this then. Uh let's do the bit, Nottingham Forest interested in Nuno Tavares uh, from Arsenal. How much is he worth is the question uh, that I kind of wanted to ask you guys. Um, I mean, we only paid eight million pounds for him. So there's no need to price ourselves out of a sale. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those where if we can get our money back, great. Happy days. If we can't, um, then, you know, let's try and get as close to that figure as possible. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, yeah, let him go. Uh, Talking of the pros and cons of Nuno Tavares, I think we all know them. The pros are that he's incredibly quick, strong, powerful, physical, very direct, very brave, very confident. The negatives are that he can make silly mistakes. He can uh, show real lapses in concentration and he can cost you, unfortunately. Um, So if I were Nottingham Forest, I'm not sure that I would want to pay top dollar for him. But I think at eight to ten million pounds, Given the way the market looks these days, I probably would take a gamble because I think if you know if you can get you know high level performances out of Nuno Tavares, fifty percent of the time, sixty percent of the time, sometimes that's enough for him to impact games because he is really, really, um, in my opinion, dominant physically, and I think that that can really. Help. I mean, I watched them the other day when they defended against us, and they had Ola Aino, I think, playing back. Now, I don't doubt that Aina is a better defender. Uh, of course he is um, than Nuno Tavares. But I think Nuno Tavares would have been able to offer them something going forward that, um, you know, that that we just, that, that Ola Aina, I should say, just couldn't. OK, anyway, so Nuno Tavares to Nottingham Forest. Um, hmm. If I was them, maybe I'd take a gamble. Maybe I'd take a punt. Um, I don't think that Arsenal should price themselves out of a deal here is my kind of key point from this I don't think that Arsenal should be so adamant that they receive 10 plus million pounds that they end up allowing this deal to kind of collapse and break down I think if you can get even close to six seven million pounds for Nuno Tavares given how little we paid it was a gamble that we took it hasn't worked out it hasn't paid off let him go and uh, and be done with it right um What else have we got? I just wanted to talk quickly about the Lionesses who, of course, uh, qualify for the World Cup final today. Congratulations to them. New Arsenal player Alessia Russo uh, getting the goal that ultimately put Australia to bed. Um, Really, really um, good performance from the Lionesses, I thought, overall. They were maybe a little bit fortunate uh, because Sam Kerr had a few opportunities to level it when it was 2-1. But the way England broke away for that final goal and the way, you know, they they sort of tore Australia apart, and then Alessia Russo first time found the far corner was just really really great, um, and it's a it's a big moment. You know, Serena Veneman is a great coach. You only have to look at her record to see that. I've seen a lot of debates going on um, on social media over the last few hours. You know, would it be a bigger achievement than the men winning the World Cup in '66? Some some are saying. Um, look. I think we've got to get out of this space where we are constantly comparing men's and women's football. I think they are different in a lot of ways. Um, Obviously, one has had loads more time to breathe, to develop, to grow. The other is still relatively fresh in terms of attracting that wider audience. You know, there's always been a hardcore of women's football fans. I've really kind of come to notice that since entering into this kind of frame of work. But I think only in the last few years... Has it really blown up? The Euros victory for the Lioness has really, really helped in that. And great, it's moving in the right direction, which is obviously positive to see. But as far as I'm concerned, we've got to stop making these comparisons all the time. You know, I think you almost kind of have to see it as two different entities. And only then can you enjoy men's football without constantly comparing it to women's football and vice versa. So I think that that's, that's where we should be in terms of how we approach it. Like, I didn't watch the game today thinking, oh, Harry Kane would have done that if he was playing up front for England and Alessio Russo couldn't or, you know, uh, you know that kind of thing. I don't think you, you should allow yourself to get into that kind of mindset because then all you're doing is being antagonistic. You, you, you're causing problems um, and, and causing debates that really there is no winner for. I just think that you should be able to enjoy women's football, enjoy men's football, all the rest of it. And, um, and it, you know, if the Lionesses manage it, I don't know how I would compare it to a men's football achievement. I don't know that you can. And that's kind of the point I'm making because I think they're two different things. The circumstances are different. Uh, the resources are different, all the rest of it. Uh, so for me, just congratulations to the Lionesses on making the final. That final takes place on Sunday where they play Spain uh, at 11 a.m. Okay. um, I am going to leave it there, guys. I know we managed to flick back over to the other connection, but looking at the speed fluctuating up and down uh, on the speed test, I am really concerned that it's going to drop off again. Uh, So we will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. It is really, really annoying because I actually sat and made proper notes for this episode. And I was looking forward to hopefully bringing a little bit more production value. But of course, we had to deal. the different connection midway through the live stream that's the problem when you do these things live eh? but it is what it is thank you for all bearing with me thank you for all your support Uh, thank you for all your birthday wishes as well getting older than I care to uh, reveal these days but hey it is what it is I'll see you all tomorrow uh, with more until then take care of yourselves have a great Wednesday goodbye I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon